0: Heavenly Father, we want to bless you for another opportunity to have our meeting with you. As we continue to study the book of Haggai, we thank you because of the things you are revealing to our hearts. A number of things that you have been teaching us are beginning to enable us to understand what is happening in our own time. We pray that you will enable us to have more understanding even as we study today. In Jesus' name, amen. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. We have noted that this scripture text is a continuation from verse 1 to 5. We also saw that God is speaking of doing something that he had done in the past once again. That is, he's going to be shaking things. Whilst in the past he shook only Mount Sinai, in this present day he is going to shake everything. And then we also saw how he shook things in time past and how he is likely to shake things today. On Mount Sinai, he spoke and the mountain shook. And we noted that the voice of God, when God speaks, shakes things and even pulls, uproots things, scatters mountains, and so on and so forth. Now we want to look at why. God is going to be shaking things. For us to be able to understand why God is shaking things, we want to look at this particular subject from the four angles that we had referenced in time past. We had mentioned that this particular passage of scripture we are talking about speaks of the temple they were presently building. It speaks of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also said that it speaks of our lives, which is the temple that God wants to inhabit. And it also speaks of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So for us to be able to appreciate why God wants to shake things, we will look at it from each of these four references that we've mentioned. So let us begin by looking at the temple that they were building and why God said he was going to shake things. A little bit of history is important at this point in time. Later on your own, you can read from Ezra chapters 3 right through to Ezra chapter 6. But I will just briefly give a summary of what those passages or those chapters of the Bible contain. In Ezra chapters 3 and 4, they began the building, but there was opposition. The prince from Shushan, that is Persia, gave instructions and the work was stopped. Then in chapter 1 of Haggai, the Bible tells us how Haggai now said to them that they had abandoned the work of the temple, and that they needed to go back and rebuild. So as a result of Haggai's prompting them to repent of their acts and to rebuild, they began to build. Now, when they began this new reconstruction work, there were oppositions again. And this opposition came at the highest level in that region. It was from the governor of that region and his companions. This governor wrote a letter to the king in Persia and said to him that the Jews were beginning to rebuild the temple, and that when they tried to stop them, they refused to stop, stating that they were doing what they had been ordered to do by Cyrus. And so they asked the king, Darius, to please do a diligent search and confirm if that is the case. So when Darius got the letter, he did a search, and he found out that Cyrus did not only permit the rebuilding of the temple, but that he also gave dimensions and gave them money and other things to build the temple. And then he sent word back to the governor of that region. And he ordered the governor to let the work continue unhindered. And he told the governor that all the taxes they have collected in that region should be diverted to the work of the building of the temple. The king also ordered the governor to provide them with everything they needed for their offerings, whether it was bulls or rams or oil whatever it was that they needed that they should give to them. And then finally, the governor ended by saying that if anyone were to stop that walk or go against his edict or alter his edict, that he was going to order the pulling down of the house of that person and that the beams of the house of that person will be used as gallows to hang him. And the moment the governor of the region received the edict from Darius the king, he immediately carried out the orders of the king and they sent monies to the work of the temple and the temple was finished in record time. Thus we find the reason why God said he was going to shake the nations and why he used the expression they shall come to the desire of all nations and that he will fill the temple with his glory. And that was why he also said the silver was his and the gold was his. So why was God shaking Persia? At the time they were building this temple, God was shaking the nations in Haggai's time because he wanted to move resources into that work. The Bible tells us that the hearts of kings and princes are in the hands of God and that he turns these hearts anywhere he pleases and as he likes. And the moment the people decided to obey God and carry out the building, even though there was still a stop order on the walk, God broke through and not only allow the building to continue, but send resources into the work. This is to encourage us to understand that when God speaks, it is as good as done. It is to let us understand that even though there may be edicts, decrees stopping us from doing what God wants us to do, but once God says, go ahead and do it, you should know that everything that is needed, He will provide at the appropriate time. Also, this story, describes the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was another temple built by Herod before the Lord Jesus Christ was born, but it was a temple built at great expense and that spanned a number of decades to complete. Indeed, it was a glorious temple and it was a massive temple. There was a time when the Lord Jesus Christ said to the people, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And the people thinking that he was referring to the temple of Herod began to say, "Do you know how long they took in building this temple, and you want to rebuild it in three days And they thought that he was mad. It is important to note that Herod was not a Jew; Herod was a descendant of Esau, a cousin of the Jews, but he chose to build a magnificent temple in Jerusalem. But to now speak of the temple which the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to, which was his body, we know that when he was born, many magis or astrologers came from the far east to worship him so he became the desire of all nations the bible tells us that these astrologers said they had seen his star in their country and they followed that star all the way to jerusalem and when they got to jerusalem they went to the king's palace thinking that the king whose star they had seen would be a human king eventually the bible tells us that when Herod called the Jews who knew the Bible and asked them, they now told the wise people that Jesus would be found in Bethlehem of Judah. Before they left, Herod said, Please, find out the place. When you have found it, tell me so that I can come and worship him myself. But his motive was wrong. However, what is important here is that the astrologers from the Far East came bringing gold, frankincense, and mire to worship this little boy who had been born about two years before, again, fulfilling the scripture that God will shake the nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will fill the life of Jesus with glory. And the glory is the gold, the frankincense and the mire. So we see that God can shake the nations, can move people from one place or the other to come to the place where he wants them to come to. God would use anything that is possible to make it happen. For instance, he used the stars, which the astrologers know about, to lead them to where Jesus was. But that does not mean that a Christian must go and study astrology. Today, if we want to find where Jesus is, all we need to do is read the Bible. Jesus Christ himself said in John chapter 5, verse 39, "said you search the scriptures because you think you will find eternal life, but these same scriptures, they speak about me. Whenever we read the Bible, we will find Jesus in the Bible. God himself has made resources available so that the Bible is considered the most popular book in terms of number of sales being made annually in the world. Regardless of the opposition that people have to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible is still the best-selling book all over the world. What is important for us, what is the challenge to us, is to make sure that people are actually reading the Bible and finding Jesus in the Bible. And that is why many of us are called to be pastors, not so that we can teach philosophy or teach leadership, but to show people Jesus in the Bible. And so God will continue to shake things so that people can find Jesus and those who have Jesus in their lives will stand firm. By the grace of God, we'll look at the issue of our lives and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ next time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the short study we've had today. We thank you for speaking to us about why you shook the nations in the time of Haggai, and why you shook the nations at the time of the first coming of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, you will put in our hearts an understanding that you are the one who moves and stirs the hearts of kings and princes all over the world, that when you speak, no one can disobey, that indeed the desire of nations will come to wherever you have placed your name. For those of us who are involved in ministry, help us to understand that our role is to point people to Jesus in the scriptures and supply us with the grace to do just that. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.